Well, the clock struck 11, but 11.57's when it struck me that I just couldn't stay. So I jumped on my scooter, headed home to my computer, where that damn work firewall couldn't get me away. But course of the day, and this day would probably break me with no nooner there to break me away. Nooner's like a bandit on the gravestone of the USA. The gravestone of the USA. Oh, wow. Whoa. That's so that, prophetic. That's amazingly prescient and terrifying. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> uh, shoot. I just pressed a button. I shouldn't have. Uh, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the Smod Co. Uh, Nooner podcast, something like that on the Smartco Internet Radio Network. It's been so long since I've said that that I forgot what to say, but I still do that every week. I don't blame uh, you. Yeah, especially since, uh, you know, that idiot in charge of programming didn't do anything to fill your time slot last week. Oh, really? Oh, I forgot. I'm sorry. No worries. Oh, uh, uh, surprise. Yeah, it's hey, it's Will Wilkins on the, the mic today joining. We're just doing a, a tete-a-tete. Um, remotely we're looking at each other on little screens uh good morning everybody if you want to join us we are on the uh, twitter machine that's nooner podcast and uh, you can email us at noonerpodcast uh, at gmail.com how are you doing well i've been better marty i've been better yeah. uh you know uh, there's there's lots of stuff going on in the world i can't look at the news i mean okay. for some reason i'm giving a shit about uh ohio's 12th district yeah. today we're we're going to do two hours on Ohio's 12th and really get into, you know, what is this young young buck who's trying to, to turn that that uh, seat into a, a blue seat, this Danny O'Connor? You know, the, uh, the thing that kills me about this is that, you know, here is a guy who, you know, good for him in the fact that he's challenging the establishment, uh, especially since it's a seat that's been carried by Republicans since 1983, and he's got a chance. But then suddenly now there's all this national looking and pressure on the campaign. That's got to be a real bitch to deal with. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's going to it's going to be very interesting season. I mean, like you said, there's so much freaking news to talk about, like, you know, the Manafort bullshit and the, the Mueller investigation. Uh, and it's hard not to just watch it, like just always have it on. And I kind of do, which is, I think it's polluting my brain. Um, <laughs> I literally have days where I don't look at the news, like a Saturday and Sunday, heavy project. I just didn't look at the news till the end of the day. And I was so, so much happier. And yeah, you want to call me a, a bleeding heart, California liberal, go ahead. Yeah. You bleeding heart, California liberal, well, you're not in the most liberal town, are you? No, no, no. I'm, I'm in, I'm in definitely in what, what most people would call a, a purple area because uh, we are living on the border of uh, agricultural community and uh, basically city community. So we've kind of got both going on at once, and so mm -hmm. and and you know everything around me, uh, like you start getting a little more towards the Stockton area and the like. You you do get uh, more red, so. You know, I'm still in kind of the slightly blue population. And, and so, you know, there are a lot of differing opinions around here. And, and that, that's okay, though, because that's what America is supposed to be about. You know, the only thing that I think really upsets me is that we're getting so much into uh, what I've been referring to as identity politics. But 
you know, unfortunately, I was reading an article uh, just before we started about uh, negative partisanship, uh, which is kind of it seems like where we're going in a lot of the areas where we see uh, the president, uh, you know, uh, campaign rallying both for himself and and uh, other regional candidates. So it's uh, it, it that part's kind of upsetting to me because I can't believe that that there are people that would despise me just because of my political views, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So how would you describe identity politics? Just how? Well, it, it, it would be a complete misinterpretation because of course I have no idea what it really means, but when it comes down to it for me, it's, it's more about the, um, it's more about how you uh, basically almost put more about yourself uh, below your political beliefs. You know, so when you've got radicalized, not okay, bad use of term there, I almost use radicalized, but when you've got extremely overpassionate and, and to some, I mean, extreme views on political parties, that's kind of where I roll on what right. I call it. Yeah, it's like where your politics are, are formed by who you are, like who, so if you consider yourself, uh, if you're a gay person and you, you embrace all the politics that are around being gay and, or if you uh, are anti-abortion, that become that is your identity and mm-hmm. that becomes your political stance. And then you, you become, I mean, that becomes your prime motivator for who you vote for and, and how you view the world politically. And that does, it makes you, it can make you very close minded if that becomes the only thing you care about, you know, yeah. your, your whiteness or your blackness or your, you know, uh, your, yeah, your religion, um, that can, can be really dangerous. Definitely. And I, and I think, you know, also it's, I don't know, I just kind of put it, I, I always consider it's more for me about family and everything else. And that may be, sort of a a short-sighted view um but especially considering my family has to live in the country we're in and we are controlled by its rules and its laws and and the things that help keep society stable but you know for me the the thing is i just i I don't i I can't connect with with people like that like uh you know uh, the one thing that went around over the weekend is the picture of the two guys at a Trump rally that were wearing the t-shirt. I'd rather be a Russian than Democrat. And it's like, wow, really everything our country stands for and goes through. And, and you're telling me that one political party and mind you until I learned that I wasn't able to participate in the, um, uh, what are the things that are before the election? Uh, the prime, like the caucuses and, uh, well, the things that let me vote for the people that are going to be running in the positions. Yeah. Oh, uh, th- those are primaries. Okay. Right? So, yeah. so then, you know, I found out being registered as an independent because naturally I wanted to buck the system. I was young and I didn't identify directly with anybody's political party. I learned that I was cheating myself out of being able to vote uh, in those instances. So that's why I, I had to pick a party and I chose Democrat. And mind you, my mother is Republican and she voted for Trump. And but that's, you know, it's I'm not going to I don't hate my mom because of that kind of right, thing. Right. So so anyway, I guess I just I don't understand that passion. But I also can't understand how you feel that an entity that has been a proven uh, adversary, uh, to use a, a slightly friendlier term of our country, 
uh, over a political party within our country. It just, it, 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 I guess it concerns me that level of vitriol even exists at all. Yeah. Yeah. That we can't just have a, a friendly exchange of ideas uh, is, is a really sad state of, uh, of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it just goes like, it makes me think of like this batshit crazy QAnon phenomenon. Are you familiar with QAnon? So uh, it was started last year by some, some shadowy entity. It could be one person, it could be four person people out there, but they claimed to be a high level government official and who called himself Q and who dropped out of the government and claimed to have the whole inside story is what is truly going on in, in the deep state. And so, you know, started in 4chan, then moved to 8chan because you can't trust 4chan. And now they have a presence on YouTube and there's a whole like a couple subreddits dedicated to them. So, uh, and they've accused the CIA of being um, King Jong, Jong-un's puppet master. So he's actually working for the CIA. <laughs> they accused the, uh, the DNC, the Democratic National Committee of using uh, MS-13, the, the Central American gang, to assassinate Seth Rich, who uh, who was killed in, uh, I think, a botched robbery a couple of years ago. And they think that, you know, the Clintons, the Obamas, and George Soros are running a a child sex trafficking organization. And Wait, they even... It, uh, are you sure? Are, are you talking about Alex Jones? Instead, I'm confused. <laughs> it, it, uh, seriously, I mean, there's a lot of overlap. Mm-hmm. And, and so, like... It just has been snowballing recently. So they believe that like Robert Mueller is actually working with Donald Trump and they're secretly going to prosecute Democrats for colluding with the Russians. And it's all going to come out. It's, you know, so they've been sort of uh, trolling. Don't read that till after. Just keep oh, going. Sorry. <laughs> uh, he was sending me a message, but uh, they they've been like sort of trolling uh, President Trump, trying to get him to uh, send signals to them from, so he's like, if you look at these rallies, you shouldn't, but there are all these rallies that he's been going to. And you see these people holding up Q signs and wearing QAnon t-shirts. And so like, it's just, it's gaining a lot of traction. And like, I don't have any problem with people believing in bullshit, you know, over a third of people don't believe in evolution half the country believes in ufos that you know that they that they've been here i mean 80 percent of americans believe in god you know so there's a sizable part of our population that believes in shit without any empirical data you know and that's that's fine people believe what they believe but yeah. the president what one no i was gonna say yeah we can't control what people believe but it doesn't help when the uh quote unquote highest authority in the country also reiterates some of these things or he brings them up and it's not even because he may believe them but it's because he wants to attempt to adjust the narrative so he's calling out to his base now to let them know you you may be hearing things about Russia but when it comes to collusion it was the Democrats because Hillary was working with the Russians in order to get dirt but it's like that's 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 taking several steps out. No, Hillary hired GPS Fusion to attempt to get information. GPS Fusion worked with a former UK operative who provided the information. So it's you know there was no it, there's not a direct connection between 
uh, Hillary Clinton, for example, and working with the Russians. So it's, I don't know. It, 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 yeah. it, we live in it. We live in a world that's ripe for disinformation, I guess. And when you're, and, and forgive me for, for saying this, if you are an avid Trump supporter, I don't mean to minimize you in any way, but what we are being presented with in the media and, you know, like straight up from, and it's not even, we can say, oh, this is fake news guys. You know, when you've got Jim Acosta attempting to do a remote from a Trump rally and he's got rage and vitriol behind him, you can definitely say there are passionate people, but you know, there are also some that I, I, at least I hope these people with this rage and anger are on the, um, they're on the fringe and these smaller groups will do that. They'll, they'll cling to information that matches their narrative. Yeah. And he's not denounced QAnon. And so he's even like with the Hillary Russian collusion thing, that is sort of parroting what they're saying as well, the QAnon uh, conspiracists. And like the fact, like he'd rather be the king of the idiots. I'm and not saying that all Trump voters are, but I'm saying that if you buy into this QAnon nonsense, you're, you're lacking a certain level of critical thinking, I, I believe. And because their, their whole thing is, like if you say, well, I just watched this interview, like where they were asking, like, what proof do you have that, you know, whatever conspiracy is happening? And their response is, well, what proof do you have that it's not happening? And you can't prove a negative, you know, nope. the burden of proof is on them to show like, OK, well, if this thing is happening, let's let's see some like some documented proof and pointing me to a blog that just says the same thing that you just said is not is not proof. And, you know, and, and it's funny you mentioned that because, and I'm not disparaging because it, it is just a crawler that, that pulls information, but sometimes we can get presented information. Even if you think you're going to a credible source like Google news, sometimes you'll get uh, a story that may be reflected in your feed and you're like, well, wait a minute, where's this coming from? And, and, and suddenly you're going to a blog or you see it on Twitter and, and you're directed to it and you're like, well, wait a minute, what am I looking at here? Am I looking at an actual news site? Am I looking at a blog trying to look like a news, excuse me, news site, you know, or am I just looking at, you know, a page that's owned by, uh, the Russian, uh, bot house. I, you know, I don't know. It's, I don't know. And, and it's, uh, if you don't mind uh, just to kind of switch gears for one second, Marty, um, I, I was thinking about this since I brought up the Jim Acosta thing. And and I really, you know, on NetHeads, uh, also available at Smodcast.com, we don't really talk That's about this kind of stuff. Um, but I, I was kind of, I, I've been like, I, I've been at a point, like after the Jim Acosta um, last uh, election or last uh, rally results, I was thinking, you know, maybe it's time for the press to stop covering these um, these rallies. But then I thought, well, then if you don't do that, then you're relying on whatever, for example, the Trump campaign produces to reflect what's what's occurring. And and so there's a, a careful balance there. I personally think with these rallies now, they should just like, okay, we're going to send one AP camera and one AP crew with a verified second party to corroborate the information. And then the rest of the news sources can do it because you, we're getting to a point where it's both unsafe and, and probably counterproductive to even cover these items. I, uh, yeah, I agree. Actually, uh, Dan Savage in his podcast said exactly what you're saying. It's like, it's, you're just giving Trump what he wants is like, you know, all eyes on him. And then by having all those reporters there, it attracts, it, it riles up the crowd. You know, it gets them really 
into into like it, it when he says the press are the Amer- the enemy of the American people, it, and having them there just gives gives them a target, and they're all in these like these sort of cages basically, you know. So they're just being poked and prodded at like they're they're uh, monkeys in a cage. Uh, well, and, yeah. and 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 all that talk about civility, yet you've got people being as uncivil as you possibly could be right. you know with an with an just with a particular news organization i don't know it just it it, it i there's a i guess there's the question of the return on investment how much are you actually getting out of covering this when you are you know putting yourself almost at risk at this point and it really isn't news it's like it's more that it's just stuff noise that's happening and so you you have uh, these people shouting and and uh, like and Trump giving this speech where it's just the same bullshit over and over again. I can't believe I got so many votes. Uh, and then then the lies he tells become the news. And then we start counting up the the number of lies, and that becomes the news story. And then he can point at them and saying that they're lying. And anyhow, it we then lose side of what's actually happening in the world there are wildfires going on there the there's a revolution hap, you know sort of fomenting in bangladesh like there's there uh, and uh in oh jesus christ venezuela uh that's how that's how ignorant i am of the the stuff that's really happening in the world because i'm focused or i, I just hear all these noises happening in in trump country and and it gets my blood boiling and get so mad and then i feel alive you know you know just to to uh continue driving a stake into this such a wonderful topic i know we'll, we'll move off this quickly but go on well you say that now but again i got nowhere else to talk about this <laughs> what's the southern Cali- southern california coverage like in the uh devin nunez uh seat uh for uh oh, the primaries yeah I, I have no idea and oh okay yeah so he's not my con- oh. not my congressman um yeah. i just thought because it's it's at least closer to the regional area of los angeles than it would be that maybe there'd be more information but i don't know from what i look it look uh, from what i'm seeing it looks like the gap is closing and we're seeing this a lot um and that's part of the reason why we're focusing on the special election that's happening uh, uh, today in ohio's 12th district uh, for example because the uh, statistically, the the candidates are running at a dead heat, and that's why they're kind of calling this a, a referendum, if you will, uh, to the Republican Party if the Democratic candidate uh, actually wins, even though it's a very short term win because right. you then fill the slot until another election in November, right? Right, right. Which is kind of the same thing we saw, what was it, in West Virginia or one of the other states where the, I can't remember what Democrat one. I'm horrible with names and details, so I'm the perfect person to have on a podcast. Yeah, welcome to the show. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, Darren Husted, he just posted a, a diagram of what QAnon believes, and you can look at that at NoonerPodcast.com. Uh, oh, awesome. Yeah, and uh, it's very insane. Um, but... Yeah, I, the thing is, like, if you give anything enough air, people will believe it. Like, so if you say anything, like the oh, plane, planes are spreading mind control chemicals to the atmosphere, and if you say it enough times, and you have enough people in in 
positions of influence saying it, then there are a portion of people will be like, oh, huh, yeah, I sure do see a lot of planes in the sky. Like, and then they start to buy into it. And uh, I just wish that we didn't give as much air to the shit that gets on the air, you know? Fair enough, fair enough. But Well, I guess guess my next question would be then, because uh, currently I live in a world where, uh, depending on the way the winds blow, if you will, it's a question of how smoky is the air going to be today? I don't know what it's like in in the Los Angeles area because you guys have the no Mendocino's north. Yeah. Is it all up here or it's is all, there right now? It's all up there. Uh, so yeah, so California is a very big state. We we live around three hundred and fifty miles away from each other, um, you and I, and then but a couple hundred miles north of you is Mendocino County, where the largest wildfire uh, is happening. Uh, in California history, and mm-hmm. uh, it's over 280,000 acres have burned so far, and I don't think that there's any uh, relief in sight. And it's because that uh, California, the because of our overregulation, we're sending all our water into the ocean. Instead, I know of, the president told me that. Yeah. Uh, so the president this weekend, one of his 48 tweets was about how california liberals are causing the wildfires it's just so insane like his well now i I believe i can't believe i'm saying this in his defense there was one nearly valid point and that's that the forestry service and the parks have may not have been adequately uh controlling tree growth and tree population so in that respect he's right but you know the the statements that we've got uh, n- uh, we don't have enough water to battle the fires because it's being diverted. That part is nonsense. And I'll tell you, Marty, that particular tweet, I've actually put myself officially, potentially on the enemy list because, and I've never done this, but I responded to the president's tweet. And I just basically, to summarize, said, I find your statement offensive and extremely tone deaf. People are fearing for their homes and their lives. Help or shut it. Yeah, good, good. I'm, and what happened? So, what was the response? Well, so far I haven't, uh, I haven't received any death threats, and and uh, I've gotten over uh, two hundred likes on that one. So I'm willing to roll with it. Uh, but you know, I guess the instant thing to do there is also to put a response below there to tell people to check out my SoundCloud. But I'm not going to do that. <laughs> but yeah. I, I don't know. It, it's uh, every morning now. I wake up and it's either going to. I feel like I'm on Krypton because the rising sun is glaring red through the smoke. Yesterday, it was so thick in the air it looked like a very light fog, and you so could smell. You're getting. Campfire. You're getting that. But that's is, is that a, that's not the car wildfire, is it? Or is I don't know. I it, it's it's one. It, originally it was car. Now it's probably the Mendocino one. And you know, it's, if the air flows go uh, in a clockwise pattern as they always seem to be depicted, then that means in the morning we're gonna early morning it's gonna pick up the Mendocino air, bring it down around our way, and then we have to wait for the later temperatures where the winds then begin blowing uh, west again. And then we might get a clear day. And it's just, and, and the thing is, like, I, like you mentioned, I'm 350 miles from you roughly, but I'm also probably close to a minimum of 100 miles from where any of the fires are. And this is what my reality is. Just think about being in those areas. I mean, I, I've got this amount of distance and I'm getting, I'm getting <laughs> boy, this sounds like a white person problem. I've got, uh, or a privileged problem. 
I've got, you know, my, my peach tree has got a few peaches on it and there, I brought one in today that was ripe and it's, it's, it is covered with soot. So, Ugh. you know, air quality is shot. Uh, people are, are running for their lives. People are dying. It's a horrible thing. And it's just amazing in this day and age that we can still have these type of issues. And I think Kamala Harris tweeted that there's only been like 12 days out of the entire year or 12 weeks where there haven't been, uh, fires in California. So yeah it's something it's concerning that, yeah and it's not going to get better i mean i'm really worried that something's going to happen out in southern california this year has been merciful uh tyson hope you're safe up in uh, arcada um but that's real yeah. close to shasta where there's a i think a growing fire there um yeah i i have no idea how to uh deal with this um but uh how was uh comic con Oh my gosh. If I ever had to go as a normie, I would never go. My Lord. It is nothing but it was, uh, again, privilege problems. Uh, so you it, went for work, correct? Um, essentially. Yeah. There was a, I, I had the benefit of, of, uh, working for a guy that, that some people know. And he, uh, he had uh, some interviews to do aboard a boat that I had nothing to do with. But it gave me a nice board a boat. That sounds like some sort of euphemism. Seeing it a does. man, yeah, yeah, go on. <laughs> and so, but I did have access to that, which was a saving grace because it was a quiet place with air conditioning. You could go and relax. Um, but everything about San Diego this year was interesting. Uh, they had recently had uh, an off-season storm, so humidity was high. So I was looking forward to you know nice, chill, eighty-degree weather, and instead, I I got humid. 80 degree weather so it felt more like 90 and it's it comic-con is nothing but swimming through people you know this right that's all it is that's why i've never been yeah it is it, if you try and go on the showroom floor it's also it, nothing but an organization of your strategic lines if you want to go into hall h you're in a line if you want to buy the comic-con exclusives from a booth you're in a line if you want to see special things on the vendor floor you're in a line if you want to take a dump in a line you're in a line so it's it's just nothing but but lines and so it but still it was an experience to see. I mean I personally I didn't have a lot of objectives objectives to do. I had to make sure that audio recordings for uh, club events were were done correctly, but the biggest pressure was making sure that the Hall H panel content for Kevin would would play appropriately. And so that's why Saturday was kind of a high adrenaline day. Uh, but still I I did uh, because of of my um duties i was able to <laughs> garner certain favors so i was able to get into a few of the hall h panels that i wanted to without having to stand in line um and i was able to see stars uh, that i probably wouldn't have seen because i was able to be an audience member aboard the imdb boat during some of the interviews which was amazing like uh, who oh like anthony rapp from star trek discovery mm -hmm. um I know he's been in the news for other stuff too, but, sure. but for me, it was just amazing just to tell him I had appreciated his work. Uh, Garrett Dillon Hunt, uh, who has been on uh, Deadwood, uh, he's uh, currently on Fear the Walking Dead. He was the dad on uh, Raising Hope on Fox, and you know I just got to tell him how much I appreciated the the diversity he's able to bring because he does drama and comedy so well. Um, I also got to see, let's see, who Olivia Munn, John Cena. I uh, got to tell the guy that played the fish in uh, Shape of Water how much I love his work. Um, Yo, fish guy. 
yeah, uh, I got to see the the preacher cast. I mean, just so many. Uh, it was it well, was that's insane. Really, that's super cool. And you yeah, got- and, and, and and that way it's almost like you get your own mini Hall H panels. Really, right? right. Exactly. Yeah, that's what you. That's the the one benefit of uh, twiddling the knobs. Yeah, and the one thing that was nice is that I had the benefit of being able to bring my teenage daughter. So we oh, were able, that's able cool. to get Yeah, she was able to get a Comic-Con experience. She had bragging rights with her friends and she's a big uh, the only thing I regret is that she is a big Riverdale fan and the panel for Riverdale was Sunday morning at 11:45 a.m. and I had to drive 450 some odd miles home. So I told her I'm like, you know, realistically speaking, we're going to go to this. I'm going to do this cuz I love you, but Actions have consequences. If we stay, I guarantee you we're going to be on the road for at least 10 hours going home. And I, 10 hours and 15 minutes, I was just 15 minutes off. Oh, Jesus. So, well, and that's, and, and for, you know, uh, for East Coast people, uh, you know, one of the nice things about the size of California is that typically speaking, when you are traversing from the northern to southern part, it's not like going from New York to, say, Disney World along the East Coast. It's not a long series of short hops and roads. There is a long stretch known as I-5 where you're just driving. So it's, it's, it's not uh, highly, uh, it doesn't require a lot of effort, just patience. And, you know, naturally, uh, it, the roadway gets a lot of work. So it's always got a lot of construction. And sure enough, they had two points where they were narrowing down to one lane. And, and the one time I decided not to listen to Waze, we tacked on an extra 45 minutes. Yeah. I mean, it's crazy to think that Comic Con can cause so much traffic. Like, oh, and it, but yeah, you, the moment we got just a little bit out of San Diego, you started to see it. But then I figure with I 5, that was not only San Diego Comic Con, that was the weekenders coming back from Southern California Disneyland trips or whatever they were doing. So, you know, it's, it's, I-5 is only two lanes each direction in most cases. So you are really putting a lot of people with a lot of specifically directed traffic into a small space. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, it, but it was fine. We had a great experience overall. Uh, it was, I was amazed at the amount of money that was spent at Comic-Con. Mm-hmm. I didn't go to any of what are called the activations, the things outside of, because I would have loved to have gone to the Jack Ryan one that had like a zip line and an escape room. Uh, the other thing I really wanted to go to and I didn't get into just because I'm a fan is the uh, there was the good place activation oh, where cool. and, and what they did is it looked like the front of Eleanor's house on the show. And inside you basically go through a little experience. Somebody told me all about it. You get a you know, your bat. They'll scan. They assign you an ID. So they scan your badge and then people will interact with you. And basically it put you in the shoes of uh, Eleanor from first season. It's like, oh, you're. Wilford Simpson, you uh, dedicated your life to helping out children in need in Zimbabwe. And it's like, yes, I did. (laughs) And you go through that. And then it was really cute, too, because it kind of tied into the season two finale. Because on your way out, you go through what are curtains that look like the portals that they use to get to the judge played by Maya Rudolph. Boy, am I just plugging away for the good place here. Uh, But it was was a really great experience. I would definitely say that anyone who hasn't been that always wants to go, if it's an item on your bucket list, just uh, take a heavy look at the schedule, everything that's out there, and you really just need to plan your day for where am I willing to waste the most time today? Because you're going to be standing in lines uh, unless you have the money to hire somebody to stand in line for Hall H for you or other places. And, uh, and, you know, just, and just go with the flow, set your expectations low and you'll definitely be thrilled to death.
Mm-hmm. All right, that's good. Um, or come to come to LA, and you might see if you want to see stars. You know, you might run into them at the mall. You know, I, I once ran into Ashton Kutcher at the. Uh, I think it was a. It was either an. It was a Fat Burger that was somewhere. I think east of Sunset. I'm gonna say. Okay. Um, but that was years ago, and I took all the ice, and he wasn't pleased because I just filled up my cup, and he went. And I'm like, ah, sorry, I think I got the last, and he just looks at me, and he goes, "Oh, nice." And but I think he was being sarcastic, at least I hope. Uh, Actually, I, I, even the building I was working at at the time, which I think was like 64, 64, 64 Sunset or sixty five, sixty five Sunset, um, I once saw uh, two of the three guys that that played the nerd. Uh, triplet, not nerd triplets, but the three guys that were the nerds that were trying, that were basically causing the bad shit. And I think season four of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So really, you can just see people. I mean, I saw I think Karen Gillan at uh, the Hollywood Bowl two days ago. See, there you go. There you go. Um, and and uh, I, I and there are things to do in LA too. I mean, you could go to Universal City. The CBS has a tour, the CBS studios, NBC studios has a tour. So there's a lot you can do in Southern California. Well, here's what I did uh, last week. I went to see Mission Impossible. Uh, What's it it called? Um, Mission Impossible. Fallen Kingdom. No, wait, that's the Jurassic one. Yeah. Uh, Run, running a lot, you know, running wild. Yeah. Yeah. Like Tom Cruise runs a lot. In every movie he does. I think that's his thing. Like, do you think that like a, a writer just is like, okay, uh, I want to submit this to Tom Cruise's company. I better put some running in here. Um, I, I don't remember where I heard it at Comic-Con. It, it may have been from Kevin Smith or it may have been somebody else. But uh, I, and I was not aware of this and I haven't seen the latest Mission Impossible because I always just wait for those to come to home video. Um, uh, whatever method that is. But apparently when he does his running... He, there's specifically the Tom Cruise hands when he runs. He runs with ha- palms wide open, uh-huh. right? Because those are more cinematic. You can see those on camera. Well, and, and so did you note that or do you remember that you saw a lot of the hands out while he was running? You, you can see that. Yeah, he's definitely doing that. I think he took a, he, he did a big examination of cinematic running, saw Steven Seagal running and it's like, nope, can't do that. Uh, just uh, YouTube that if you want. Um, it's yeah. one of the funniest things. Uh, but I saw it in 4DX. Are you familiar with 4DX? Yes, I am. My friend Brett Deacon is a essentially like a project manager quality control guy on the adaptation of movies for 4DX. Oh, so for those of you who don't know, it's sort of like the next evolution beyond sort of rumble seats. Like It's like uh, the seats are paired up and you're on this little like little platform thing that vibrates and and tilts and moves and then you've got all these air and water jets around you so they um they will like if a bullet is going by Tom Cruise's head you'll feel this on you know oh one gosh. side of your ear and then if there's any sort of water thing you just get a like a little misting and then they there's like smells that that come out of it and I was like, oh, that, that'll be neat to try. And I was, this, during the, the helicopter chase, like, I was just giggling because it's incredibly violent. They don't tell you how violent it is. I mean, there's a, like a 300-word sort of disclaimer as you walk in that nobody reads. But it is, like, my parents would, would have had heart attacks, like, if they were on it. Like, it, it's really it, fun. 
it's definitely not something I could take my wife to because if you've ever been to, um, I'll just compare it to the Disneyland experiences. I know there was Honey, I Shrunk the Audience. There was a Bug's Life uh, experience. And that kind of uses the same things. It uses air jet and atmospheres. And there's always some point where they find some reason to have the seat poke you. And that oh, yeah. part can't stand. Yeah. It, when he's getting punched in the gut, like the, you feel like these things get like going into your back. But it's like so much is like the basic thing is just the seat vibrates. So like if somebody slams a car door, like you feel it in your butt. And like, it, so that's, that's going on like constantly. It's like, it's like somebody is trying to translate the movie to your butt. Like, so that was a little annoying, but it was like, I would see every Mission Impossible movie that way. You know, Ed, there's a, uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the actor. His name is Dan Fogler. So he's been sure. in, uh, like, most recently, the Fantastic Beasts movies. I think he's got a part on Walking Dead this season or ha- what you had in the past one. Um, you guys have seen him, trust me. If you yeah. saw Fanboys, he played the guy driving. So he's done a lot of stuff. He has an entire podcast dedicated to, uh, amongst other things, recapping his 40 experience for movies. <laughs> And that's all it's about. His what experience? His 4DX experience. Oh, yeah. Oh, that so is he, so funny. Yeah. So apparently he, um, well, I'll just say he gets very medicinal. He'll see the movie and then and then talks about it that's amongst great. other things too. And and now it's kind of unofficially sponsored by the 4DX people as well. Oh, that's awesome. Like if you like, it definitely requires somebody who's like. It has to interpret like, okay, what is the chair going to do when, you know, when, when he flies out the window, you know, and then I guess your friend gets his, his team together and like, all right, let's shift it this way. Let's. Yeah, I, I, I think that's the general gist of what he does. And the only thing that was disappointing is that I was so concerned about getting to my tech check for Hall H on Wednesday that I had to bail out of an ability to at least tour the 40x experience so i would have been able to see like the demo reel both for that and then they have a different one which i can't remember the name of and it's not the same as the 40x but what it does do is it extends the movie experience to all three walls within your vision so you have the primary screen like you see it and then also it extends the content out to two more screens so it tries to fill your entire visual oh wow that's that's intense yeah, and I think Black Panther was one of the first movies in a wider release for that. And uh, and it sure looked cool, but, you know, again, I haven't seen any. I'm, I'm waiting for them to open a, uh, not really waiting, but uh, because even if they open a 40X uh, theater in San Francisco, that's still like 60 some odd miles for me. And that's a, that's a bit of a ways to go just to, to see a movie. Yeah, yeah. And it is like twice as much, too. So yeah, exactly. Yeah, but I, the, look at look at everything you get. Listen to the review you gave, man. I know. It I, I mean, it was it was. I I felt like just like a kid. It was really it was cool. Except the smells. Like like at one point, there's like gas spilling out, and they just sort of spray some sort of random smells. So it's just like it smells nothing like gasoline, thankfully. But but uh, uh, Jane just sent this thing in. So Rotten Tomatoes did a study, and they found that the more that Tom Cruise runs. Like the more money the movie makes, so really, yeah, yeah. So they haven't factored in Fallout, but basically, Mission Impossible Three, he runs thirty two hundred feet 
and I mean, I guess that that did really well. Uh, yeah, that was the one of the biggest box office hits. Uh, Ghost Protocol he, that made over two hundred million dollars. That's when he runs th- over three thousand feet. War of the Worlds, uh, two hundred thirty-four. Anyhow, so the, like his biggest grossing films have been the ones where he's run a shitload. Well, yeah, because they just want to see somebody being more athletic than the average people. Are, you know? so. But you just believe him that he's got someplace to be. Like, well, you know, it's all that Scientology energy that he's able to tap into, and because he's Satan free, he can just, you know, he can he can run for hours and hours. Yeah, because I think the one you're talking about. Ghost Protocol, it had this gigantic scene where he's running from a far point all the way up and he runs that over and over. It's like, yeah. whoa. Yeah, and, and for this one, like it's all, it's almost a parody of him himself. He's running so much. And then there was, the, of course, the big jump where he, he actually broke his ankle. And uh, it was, yeah. It, kudos to you, Mr. Cruz. I, I don't necessarily want to be his friend, but I sure do like his movies. Well, that's good. Yeah, I've, I've, like I said, I've, I've enjoyed all of the Mission Impossible's at home, and I remember it wasn't Ghost Protocol, but it was the one before it, I believe. That you know, just randomly, I decided to watch it, and my daughter Emily watched it with me, and she thought it was really cool. But at that point, we were at like the fourth movie in the series, I think. So then, running it back to like the third one, she wasn't impressed. So it, it's kind of like these newer ones are the ones that that caught her attention a little more i guess and it and if you think about it it's because it's more i think it was with uh 3 where they re- where cruz really amped up the outrageousness of doing his own stunts but yeah, yeah i think the one might i mean like the ghost protocol what was that big one it was him strapped to the side of a plane and blew out an eardrum and you said in this one he did was it the building jump we see yeah. in the promos that he broke his yeah. ankle on yeah, and that's the take. Yeah, and then they had to shut down production. It, it cost a shitload of money. Doesn't matter. I'm sure the Church of Scientology just wrote a check. <laughs> there not, you go. They're not doing great, I don't think. You know? They're, oh, really? They're they're shrinking. Oh, uh, little bad press, I guess. I I guess so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Now that I'm, now that I'm uh, now that I'll officially be labeled as suppressive. Yeah, I read. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> you have access to the internet. I do. Yeah. Sometimes to a terrifying degree. Oh my God. Yes. Uh, Hey, yeah, go on. Not to go back on the, on the president. And, and I apologize if uh, once again, I'm hijacking your um, topic, but what do you think about the West Hollywood city council uh, wanting to vote on the removal of Trump's star? Oh, wow. Well, so his, um, Oh, by the way, I forgot to wish uh, Kevin a belated happy birthday. Um, So, the city of West Hollywood calls for the Trump of, but the city of West Hollywood is not where the the uh, star is. The star is in Hollywood. Um, so, Maybe they're the ones who maintain it. Oh, that's interesting. Well, let's see. The city of West Hollywood, the city council has no jurisdiction over the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Um, some dude, uh, d- he hit it with a pickaxe last week. I guess. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. There it is. They have no, they have no power. Uh, Hollywood Chamber of Commerce are the ones who govern it. Uh, even though, you, if you think about it, I mean, the dude had one show. That's really for the television notoriety is going to get. And you know, it's it, it's kind of annoying he was able to get one. And then there are some people that have a wider body of work that have never had one. I mean, uh, Ralph Garman. 
uh, I went on a three or five year endeavor to attempt to get Adam West, somebody who you would definitely say is iconic in television history, not just for one role, many, but really took a role as well. And, and, you know, lunch boxes, uh, action figures, dolls, whatever you want to call them. Uh, but that was a three to five year ordeal. But, you know, I guess when you can just write a check to the Chamber of Commerce, yeah. it's a lot easier yeah. to get a star. Basically, you, you just have to appeal to, I, I forget if it's the, the mayor or whatever, there's a, a, a board or whatever that, and you just have to write a check. I forget how much it is. And, and yeah, so it's a, there's an arbitrariness to it. And you'll recognize it when you walk down the Hollywood Walk of Fame and you're like, who? Who? <laughs> Uh, my favorite thing was my first visit to the Walk of Fame and discovering Arsenio Hall's star was uh, out in front of McDonald's. It's like, boy, that's got to make you feel good. Oh, well, it's got to be out front in front of something. Uh, I found that the defacing of, of Trump's star amusing, but counterproductive, I think. Uh, I mean, I guess we all just want to feel like we have some sort of, we, we can do something about the state of things. The best thing you can do is vote in the in the midterms. Yeah, exactly. It's it's like, oh my gosh. Um, and that's the one thing too, even even though we don't really get too political that I, I've just said. And and it's because and, and here's the reason why I, I firmly believe it. Uh yeah, it's because of the terrifying figure that technically twenty-five percent of the eligible voting population are the ones that elected the current president. And, and, and that's typical of any. So if you're ever not happy with the administration and you didn't vote and you think your vote doesn't count, think about that for a moment because it was only 50% of the eligible voting population that voted in the last election. So, so realistically speaking, if you had you and three of your friends in front of you, just think of it that one of those people one, one out of the four of the, of the smallest possible democracy we could be talking about. Only one out of four got to decide the entire direction of where you guys are going that evening. And that's the guy that wants to go see uh, some art house film you've never heard of that's subtitled while you've got a migraine. Huh? <laughs> well said. Um, I want to see that art movie and I have it translated to my butt in a rumble seat <laughs> in, in 40X. I don't think you really do, Marty. I, I really don't. You know, because uh, <laughs> French in the in the natural butt translation it just, just does not carry well. Yeah, oh, well, okay, noted. T by the way, Tyson uh, is safe, and uh, I guess there there's still some road closures happening, and uh, the fires are growing. So, um, but Godspeed. Um, oh, have you been? Uh, we were talking earlier about video games. I mean, not video games, but CPUs. Uh, mm -hmm. And uh, I, yeah, I've been looking at different graphic cards and I realized I don't really play games that much. I talk about them uh, and I follow them, but I just like, I don't have time. Do you have time to play video games? No, I, I really don't. Uh, as a matter of fact, I... I did go ahead and load up um, Fortnite uh, just so we could talk about it on NetHeads and I can have some experience with it. And that's the first time I've actually booted up a game in a long time because I, I really, between what is essentially two jobs, two kids, and uh, uh, you know a household to not manage. My wife does that very well, but you know do the upkeep on. Mm -hmm. You know, like I burned at least 
collectively speaking, four hours replacing my water softener and installing a whole house uh, gotta, water filter. You got to dust the peaches, you know, get the soot off them. That takes up right. time. Exactly. Well, and you know, during the preseason, you also have to beat your peach tree. I don't know if you know this. Um, and I've bored is, this. Is uh, that another euphemism? Not a euphemism at okay, all. Although okay. Trent always wants to treat it as one. No, you. Uh, and I'm seeing the the benefit of it now because uh, in previous years the tree was overgrown and overgrowing. Uh, so this year we did a lot of trimming back, and so I have a very controlled peach population. And the idea is that, you know, every blossom could potentially become a peach. So every what you do when they're, about, when they're about nickel or dime size, you want to thin the, the, the crop. So that way you get a larger yield uh, or size of, of the peach. So you, you get less peaches, but greater volume per peach. So you have a more desirable product. So you have to do something like go out with like a broomstick and put a pool noodle on it or insulation thing and just whack them branches till you get the minimum amount that you want. And so, you know, this year, like I just pulled this big, glorious peach. I had to wash it off, but it looks fabulous. Uh, why are we talking about peaches? Well, then? because you're tuned into Stone Fruit Talk on the Smodco Internet Radio Network. Now on to cherries. Yeah. Well, no, I think if we start talking about produce, then... You know, we have to align our voices more along with one of these tones. Yeah, Marty. Exactly. Um, you know, I have a real problem with my tree this year. I haven't been controlling the summer growth. And so, unfortunately, the tree's a little more congested and not enough sunlight. Well, I really have read a lot about peaches. Yeah. Damn. How do, you, how do you deal with leaf curl? Is that caused by aphids or... I don't uh, actually the as I said the tree was overgrown and neglected so uh, my, the way I deal with it is wow those leaves look curly and then they fall out during the fall and and then it goes dormant and we get another chance that's oh, there you that's, go that's my uh, that's my attack that's on God's it. way to to deal with it exactly um you know it, the the thing that bothers me and that makes me sad is when it does get overgrown and it produces too much fruit because then limbs are snapping but you know I'm I'm right now. That sounds horrible, too. I mean, the tree is not mine. I know, but we're still... Uh, you're like, how do we get on this? But anyhow... The <laughs> I'm very... Oh, but no, we were talking about graphics cards and gaming. No, I don't have time to game at well, all. Did you but play Fortnite then? I did. I gave it a shot and so I could understand the mechanics of it. And, uh, you know, there is... pretty game. There is, yeah, there is a, a gamer side of me that also can't be fed, I guess is the best way to put it. You know, I... I collectively wasted a lot of time in the early 2000s playing, I think, EverQuest and then World of Warcraft. And, you know, I, I, had a, I have one of those personalities that is able to be fed by the instant gratification of these small, hollow victories because they don't exist in the real world and they don't translate to anything. But, hey, I just completed five quests in the last two hours and look at my loot and... Then, you know, when I finally put all that aside, because I had kids and obligations, I realized, wow, that was just, that was a lot of my life just gone. So I, I really try not to feed the beast, but like every, uh, I won a uh, Xbox 360 in a contest a few years ago. So 
you know, each Christmas there was a new Batman game. So my family would get me that, but that would then lead to me using the rest of my Christmas break slash vacation, just trying to play the game. And it's like, uh, you know, it, I guess my point is when you're, you're trying to accomplish something and you have to worry that it's getting to be one thirty to two o'clock and you don't want your wife to wake up and find you downstairs playing video games, you know, it's time not to play video games. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the bad thing about Steam is that, uh, you know, the, the downloading service is that it tells you how many hours you've played. Or maybe that's a good thing. And I was like, I played 130 hours of uh, what's it called? Skyrim. Like, mm-hmm. I have a problem. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So but at the same time, I was just like, I've been looking at these like these video games that are coming out, like The, the Last of Us 2 and, and or, or like Red Dead Redemption looks amazing. Yeah, the and, part two is coming out. I never yeah. played the original either. So yeah. like at least I could go retro and still use it. And and I guess the other question uh, that a lot of people have now is like, what's the best way to go? I'm not into the console gaming systems because of their limited lifespan and my lack of understanding on them. And, you know, I'm one of those people that I'm more about PC gaming because I can understand PCs and you can repurpose the equipment more. Uh, you know, like if you... If you get a really high-powered gaming system, then you also conversely typically have a very high-powered video editing system or audio editing system, right. anything with rendered time. So, you know, there are benefits and trade-offs there. Uh, but when it comes down to it, uh, I, uh, you know, I haven't, I, I used to be all about learning about the latest processors and the latest graphics cards and knowing what's hip and, and what's great. But, you know, now I'm just more focused on processors. Yeah, so it's about, you know, for me, it's more about, well, do I want to go with the latest, uh, you know, i3 or i7 Intel chip, or is the Ryzen 7 really like all of that in a bag of chips like people are saying, you know? So yeah. that's kind of the ball uh, place where I'm at with uh, computers now. Yeah, well, I mean, I just think like I could have spent 132 hours to learn to play the guitar, and I didn't, <laughs> you know? <laughs> right, I, I still don't know how to play the keyboard, and boy, I wish I could, because yeah. that way, I, or, or the, I, have a, I have an ukulele. I could learn how to play the ukulele in that time. Yeah, I, I could learn how to pronounce u- ukulele. Uh, yeah, see, I probably set some people off, but I no, know. That's apparently the you know, I'm one of those annoying people. I'll call a, a Matthew a Matthew and not a Matt. I'll call a ukulele an ukulele because I learned that's the way you're supposed. I'll say yin and yang. It's not yin, yin and yang. You know, that's me. That that is you. Um, but if people like. Uh, I, like I was looking at the Spider-Man game, it looks like a freaking movie. Like right, that's yeah. So, but you can you can play PlayStation on uh, on a PC. They have this streaming service now. Really? Mm-hmm. That don't don't feed the beast. I've already told you. Look, you're like you're like saying, "Hey, Mr. Heroin Addict, I don't know if you've checked it out, but there's a cool opium den over there that you can actually get access oh, to." You know, you can. It's a seven day free trial. You know, like, got your mouth, I'm, Mark. I'm just saying what it is. You can try it out. Just, I think I'm going to take a hard pass on that. <laughs> I'll send you a controller. It, you'll get started in no time. Just, just, just try, just try a couple hours. It's no, no big deal. I'm an enabler. Your enabler. Wife is, your wife is asleep. The kids are, yeah, they're fine. They're they're fed. Yeah. Uh, well, we are going to, I think, wrap it up. We have. All right. Um. Yeah. We both have things to do, and next week, I think. Uh, well. Let's see. Cassandra was out of town today, and um, let us know what games. If well, uh, there's a oh my god, YouTube. I'm sorry, 
Tyson just sent in. He has a, a YouTube channel where he documents the, the games he plays. So ah. that's very cool. Um, that's a way to repurpose content, especially if you can get enough views to get some monetization out of YouTube, even though I've heard that's really not where the money is. It's more along the lines of getting someone else to sponsor you and they carry your load. But hey, what do I know? I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to make money. That's been my big problem in life. I'm preaching uh, to the choir here. You know. And then I woke up the other day and realized I not only have to plan for two retirements, but I've also got potentially two college educations, two weddings to pay for, more than likely two uh, assistance with uh, down payments. And and I just look at my kids now and I'm like, look, I'm going to tell you something. My four-year-old doesn't understand what I'm saying, but you know, I say, I'm going to tell you something. Don't do like dad does. Take 10% of everything you make and just put it away. 401k, max that out for contributions. Don't be like me. And I hope they're listening because... Dad's not joking. I think if you c- come away with any takeaway from this show, that was it right there from our guest, Merp, Will Wilkins. Uh, thank you so much for, for joining us. Everybody, save your money, max out your IRA, and uh, match your contributions into the 401k, whatever. I don't know what those mean. Uh, I'm, there's just things that people say to me and I ignore, but don't, don't do what I did. And please make sure you're registered to vote. And if you have the opportunity, go out and vote. Your vote counts. Don't let anyone tell you different. Don't fool yourself into believing otherwise. You don't want to let one of your four friends decide the night. Yes. And email us your your stories and questions. And we will see you next Tuesday. If that This has been a production of Smodco Internet Radio.